today we have such an honor. Uh, our friend Stephen Carlton is here. And some of you might remember Stephen uh, when he came up to Makwasagayagan and ministered there. And he's been in the area once or twice. Uh, but Stephen has been, been ministering in our nation of Canada, particularly the north, uh, for how many years now, Stephen? Since 2014, so it's been about nine years, and uh, seen the hand of God move in mighty ways, uh, uh, and I'm just, I'm so excited, I'm sure he'll tell you more, but what we've seen over and over again through his ministry and, and the communities they've touched, and he's a guy um, that could walk into any city and be welcome, and yet God's called him uh, many times to the communities that people aren't even aware exist. And we said this uh, to the youth, and they had a hard time believing it, but let me tell you, it's really true. It is multiple times more expensive to go to the Canadian North than, like, the other side of the world. You can fly to the Philippines way cheaper than you can fly to Iqaluit, you know? And so we are so thankful that God called people to go up and preach the gospel. And that's where Stephen's... Uh, Families originally from, and so uh, you know we are so excited today. I'm going to tell you, I've got a good report. I was at youth camp, and though I, it wasn't really for me, I got a lot out of it. And uh, so the youth are pumped because they received from God this weekend, and so I know you're going to be blessed too. Would you give us? A, would you join me in giving a good, war, warm Lloyd Minster welcome to Brother Stephen as he comes? Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Great to be with you here this morning. Um, I, I FaceTime my, my wife and uh, five daughters uh, this morning. We, we do have five daughters. Uh, we have so many children, my wife and I. Uh, we, we had three girls and, uh, you know, and then I, I, this is 2019. I said to my wife, like, look, I, I know, you know, like our, our quiver is half full here. Um, <laughs> But I said, I would love to have a son. You know, I, I play rugby. I would love to teach my son, you know, uh, to play rugby. And she said, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's have a child. And so I, we prayed, and I got on my hands and knees, and Lord, would you please give me a son? And, you know, you put your faith in action. You do all the things that you know to do. Uh, and, uh, and we found out we were pregnant. Um, this was October, you know, fall of 2019. By January 2020, just as COVID-19 was a rumor, you know, in China, uh, we, we found out we we're having twins. And, uh, you know, we, it just about blew my socks off. I, first of all, I, my wife, I was, I was standing on, on the stairs, and she was, you know, coming up the stairs. She'd just come from the ultrasound clinic. She said, babe, please just hold on to the railing or come downstairs, and I'll tell you the news. <laughs> and she told me, you know, in that morning, oddly enough, God will prepare you for things, you know, in different seasons. But that morning, uh, I was shopping in Ottawa for, a, for a, like a warm jacket. I was, you know, taking a couple trips planning on taking a couple trips that, uh, that, that winter. And uh, while I'm buying this jacket, the Lord said, Stephen, 2020 will be marked by upgrades. And I thought, wow, look at that. And so, you know, that, that afternoon, Becky goes, the ultrasound clinic comes home, tells me we're having twins. And I immediately said, look at my God. Look at how he's blessed me with two boys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, COVID is moving around. You know, things are kind of shifting. We're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, March of 2020, just as, you know, uh, really the whole country shut down. Uh, Becky went in for the second ultrasound uh, checkup and, and two girls. So we've got, uh, we've got five beautiful little girls. Um, I think that's it. We've, we have so many kids, you know, that my rugby club, like I play some touch rugby and, and touch rugby is a little bit different from contact rugby. It's, it's six on six and you play, you know, 70 meters and lots of running. 
Um, and anyway, my rugby team, you know, they've said to me, Steve, just have one more. You can have a full yeah. side. <laughs> so um, anyway, FaceTime my wife and uh, daughters here this morning. Uh, you know, I've only been gone, really. Like Thursday morning, I, I flew over. Um, and, and I was saying to my wife, like, it feels like I was gone for close to a week. Um, the Lord did a lot up in the camp here. Um, and, like, you know, it was just some really cool God moments. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that here this morning, but, but just having no cell phone signal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> having no ability to connect with the outside world and, and, you know, all of the inherent distractions. I was saying to my wife, it feels like I've been gone for a week because I haven't seen you in two or three days, you know. And she said, yeah, she felt the same. Um, why don't we just open up our hearts here this morning. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your good presence. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, for how you love us, how you sent your son to die for us on a cross uh, so that you would reconcile us back to you. Father, here this morning, would you, um, God, would you invade our hearts in a fresh way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, like I was talking to a couple of camp counselors uh, yesterday, and, and one thing that I, I heard um, was that there were a number of, of teenagers, children from your church here, that had felt the presence of God in, in a way that they hadn't felt before. Um, there were some really cool kind of, you know, uh, uh, physical injuries and that, that, that uh, were healed, you know, during the course of the last few days, uh, baptisms, you know, and all of those things are amazing, but how incredible is it that people who've never felt God's presence never felt his love, never, you know, been close with him in that way. You know, I, I, was, I was reading Exodus, you know, 19 and 20 just here this, this, this week. And, uh, like, this is after God had, had taken his people out of slavery in the most dramatic fashion. Like, if you were to reread, you know, the, the, your first few, you know, 20-odd chapters of the book of Exodus, you really start to feel how dramatic it was for God to do this. And, and this is a nation who had spent, you know, hundreds of years in, in Egypt, uh, had forgotten their traditions, forgotten, you know, their way, and, and uh, many of them, you know, were now worshiping idols, worshiping different gods. They'd adopted, you know, the practices uh, of the people of Egypt, and God had promised Abraham, a man long before Moses, long before, you know, this journey into, into Egypt, uh, promised him that he was coming and, and he would give them a land, that he'd, he'd make them a nation, this, this nomadic people. And, uh, you know, my, my mom, like, she, she was born quite literally in an igloo in 1959, uh, there's no one here old enough that remembers 1959, but mom was, you know, she was born in 1959, and um, she was born in an igloo for the first five years of her life. Like, that's recent Canadian history. Um, mom lived nomadically, lived the way that Inuit had been living, you know, up there for, for hundreds of years, a few thousand years. I mean, who knows how long we've been up there. But that's where mom grew up the first five years of her life. That the people of Israel, you know, in the time of Abraham, they were nomadic. <laughs> you know, they, they traveled. And, um, and God promised Abraham that he would make them a great nation. And so you read, you know, in, in Exodus 19 and 20, this dramatic story of God coming down uh, onto the mountain. 
And, and there's, this, there's this understanding that God just wants to dwell with his people. And, uh, you know, you read it there, it's kind of a, it is a little bit tragic in a way, but the people become so afraid of God, like just so in awe and so in fear of God that they said, Moses, please keep God, you know, at a distance. You, you can be our interpreter. You can be the mediator between us and, and God. And um, reading that and then knowing what God did to young lives here in this province here these last few days. That's absolutely what God wants to do in our lives. For us to be reconciled to him. And through his son Jesus made it possible for any person who calls on his name. Any person who says that you are Lord and and I'll follow you. That reconciliation is immediately granted. Amen. And all of us here this morning, everyone who, who has made that decision, we're a part of this. We're part of this, this, this family of God that by all rights, we had never any reason uh, to, to grant ourselves into that position. All because of that man, Jesus. Amen. I shared a story, you know, at youth camp that, uh, that my mother's, uh, she was like great, great, great grandmother. Uh, was, was kind of this, this very spiritual uh, lady. And I, I generally, I think it's a general thing we can all kind of accept, is that indigenous people, no matter what part of the world they come from, they are in, there's this openness to the spiritual realm. Yeah. And it it's, can be great, and it also can be a little bit, you know, not so great. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my ancestor, she, uh, she had this ability to connect with the spiritual realm. And, and I always thought that if you weren't, you know, if it wasn't the Holy Spirit and if it wasn't angels, then it was always, 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 you know, the evil spirits. And, I, and that, that's true. Uh, but when mom told me this story, I really had a hard time wrestling with it. She said that her ancestor, um, for years and years and years, when families would travel nomadically, following, you know, the, 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 the kind of the migration patterns of, of caribou and, you know, and seal and whale and all these different animals that, that we lived off of, um, my, my ancestor had this, this knowledge of, of where things were going and then spirits would tell her where, you know, where the animals would be, where the best place to camp was when there was a storm coming, hunker down. And because, you know, she would relay this to the eight or ten odd families all traveling together, she was held in a high degree of respect. Well, one year, one year uh, that my, my ancestor is, is kind of, you know, is doing her thing and the story is that these spirits told my ancestor that in a year's time, one, you know, full year, uh, there are coming men traveling with a black book. Uh, and then these spirits said, you're to follow the teachings of this black book, and you're to, to, to forget the way that we've been uh, communicating. You're to follow the teachings of the black book. And so my, my ancestor began preparing the hearts of the people, saying, hey, in a year's time, there's someone, someone's coming with a black book, and we're to follow the teachings of this black book. And, and sure enough, Anglican missionaries... I, one full year later, came uh, traveling by dog team. This is in the 1800s. There was no airplanes, no real, I mean, I guess there were boats, but these, these hardened missionaries, these people who just heard God say, go to this, you know, kind of very forgotten place, and there's going to be tribes there you need to bring the gospel to. Uh, they came by dog team in the, what, like the dead of winter, carrying the gospel, bringing this Bible. 
And, uh, and most of my kind of families, you know, like the, the, the traveling uh, eight or ten families all received Jesus because uh, of, of these, you know, these ministering angels telling them, preparing their hearts, their hearts for the gospel. So, folks, all that to say, I, you know, I have the privilege and honor of, of bringing good news and uh, to, to people that, you know, really my people... Uh, up in the Canadian Arctic, but also, you know, First Nation communities as well, uh, bringing hope, bringing something that, you know, really can answer a lot of the, the pain and struggles that, that many, many, many people in these communities are facing. And, and I genuinely just want to honor, you know, the Bounds family uh, for hearing God so long ago, coming from, you know, a completely different country to come up to this part of Canada. Amen. Every one of us here, at some point in our lives, someone told us about Jesus. And I like to think about that. Um, uh, because there's a world heart. And it's easy to kind of put up the, you know, the, the blinders. And just say, no, I've, I've got my 9 to 5, I've got my bills to pay for. Uh, I'm thinking about that, you know, brisket I'm going to barbecue later. You know, it's just a lot of things, hey. Um, when, you, when you look at the message of the Bible, what that cross represented, it was very, 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 very costly to God to bring us this, this, this story, bring us this, this message that we can find hope. And there's a, there's a savior who can save us from the craziness. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah, turn, uh, let's, go, let's go to Matthew, uh, 19, Matthew 9, uh, verses 35 to uh, 38. Matthew 9, 38. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, uh, you know, we, we've traveled uh, to all 25 Nunavut communities, um, as Pastor Jonathan was saying. It is very costly to go, and, and uh, you know, when I, when I was leading uh, uh, Arctic Hope Project, we, we now, my wife and I, we now have a ministry called Fresh Hope Canada, uh, but when we were leading Arctic Hope Project, the Lord, you know, he he'd instructed us to minister in one community called Cape Dorset. Cape Dorset is around 1,400 people uh, in the southeastern kind of corner of, uh, of Baffin Island. Uh, the reason why we chose Cape Dorset is because they, they have, um, at the time, 2014, they had the highest crime rates in all of Nunavut. All other 24 communities, the, the crime rates either stayed the same or they're in decline. And, uh, you know, at, at 16 years, I, I met Jesus when I was 14 years old, grew up in a Christian household. Uh, Mom got saved in, a, in an Anglican kind of revival in the community when she was a teenager. And so she, you know, very much in the same way, she raised us, uh, myself and my four other siblings, in a Christian home. And uh, when I was 14 is when I made a decision to, to follow Jesus and was filled with the, this, this liquid love presence of God. And um, I, I, I made it my, my point, like made it, you know, a big part of my, my time in high school uh, to tell everyone about Jesus. And I, you know, the Lord told me to stay away from girls in high school, and that, you know, that lasted a couple years. Um, but God said, "Give me your high school years, and uh, you serve me, and you tell people about about me." 
And so at 16, unfortunately, I, I, you know, I, I was uh, abused by a man in the church that my family was going to. And for a couple of years, it really kind of messed me up. And, and it took me coming back into the presence of God, asking him to fill my heart with love uh, and, and heal me of this brokenness. And uh, at 19, I was able to forgive what this man did. But what that means is that we're able to turn to majority of kids in these communities uh, who have gone through some form of trauma or another and tell them that there is hope that there is an answer for this, that there is a God who can absolutely transform hardened and broken hearts. And so in Cape Dorset, we, we, we would start to minister there. We'd hold youth conferences. We would uh, take you know, a handful of kids who got saved in the weekend youth conferences, and then throughout the week, we would, uh, we would disciple them. And we'd go through the Bible and show them you know, who they are and, and what Jesus did for them and what promises, you know, what covenant promises God has you know, for them. And uh, it was awesome ministering there. Lots of stories we could tell about how God would minister to kids and, you know, deliver them from, from uh, demons speaking to them, evil spirits speaking to them, uh, you know, uh, kids getting healed, saved, family members coming into the kingdom of God. Um, but we were very intentional in Cape Dorset only to minister there and then start to, you know, work with kids. And then the idea being send disciples out into the rest of the, of the territory. Um, 2018, the Lord, 2017, going into 2018, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, travel to all, um, all 25 communities and tell, like, preach the gospel and tell young people that he can heal sexual abuse. And um, so that was kind of the, the mandate we had for 2018, 2019. Wow. One community we traveled into was, was this community called uh, Greece Fjord. And there's about 100, 100 or so people here in the room right now, maybe a little less. Greece Fjord had 120 people in the, the entire community. And, um, like, we were the first plane in three weeks. It's at the very top of Canada. Uh, you, you get there by flying, you know, kind of the main airlines up to a community called Resolute Bay. And then from Resolute Bay, you, you, you change airlines. And you have to wait for clear weather uh, for the two-hour flight. It has to be absolutely clear. Uh, little twin otter uh, planes. And, uh, and you, you hop in this plane and you pray to God that there's no fog at all so that you can land. And then most of the community's airports, uh, the airstrip is right in the middle of town. So right, like as, as this aisle is here and there's people on either side of this aisle, in many communities, this is where the, the airstrip is. And so in Greece Fjord, it's a short airline, a short, short runway, it's all gravel. And uh, yeah, plane lands. And we were the first plane in three weeks. Uh, it had been raining and fogging the whole time there. Uh, we took that day we landed at, and, and then the next day to kind of spread the word, which wasn't that hard because there's only 120 people in town, um, <laughs> that the next night we're holding this hope gathering meeting. And uh, 40, about 40, 45 people came out to our meeting. We preached the gospel. Uh, close to 20, 25 people gave their hearts to the Lord. But as people are, you know, asking Jesus into their hearts and receiving this free gift of salvation, the skies open up. And there in the, 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 the high school gymnasium, well, it's just the one school, the, the school gymnasium, uh, sun starts shining through. And, and, you know, everyone there is kind of looking over, over the, the windows, sun's coming in, and uh, they, they start telling us, like, it's been cloudy and rainy here uh, for, for days, like for weeks. The moment people began to call on God, <laughs> skies opened up, and, and, you know, it was just a bit of a sign and a miracle to, to the people there. I had a conversation with the guy I was traveling with afterwards, you know, and, and uh, the, they had a local church, an Anglican church. Um, the Anglican minister would shut the church down for the summer. He would kind of go off and not sure where he was. 
uh, for, you know, for two, three uh, months in the summertime, there was just no, no services. And um, we got kind of looking at a lot of the things that, you know, that, that the Lord had been doing in, in the, we called it the uh, Arctic Hope Tour, traveling across Nunavut, of how people had gotten saved and healed and, and, and uh, you know, lives have been turned around. And, and we were thinking about this verse here, Matthew 24, uh, sorry, Matthew 9. And in verse 35, it says, Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. And he had healed every kind of disease and illness. And when, the, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So I pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into the fields. Amen. So much of, you know, like I, I, growing up, especially growing up in a, in a Pentecostal church, like we, my, our pastor, his, uh, his name is Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric would bring in, you know, the, you know, some of the names in Canada who were going, like Bill Prankard was one of them. I uh, had the privilege and honor of traveling with Bill Prankard for, uh, you know, for about eight years. And, and hearing, you know, stories that he had uh, done in communities and, and, you know, in northern Russia where he'd have to hire a tank that was used for, you know, smuggling, what was it, vodka or whatever, up to like the northern part of, of, of Russia just to bring the gospel up there. 30, uh, 46 hours one way to get up there, you know, to bring the gospel to people who'd never heard it before. And, uh, and you know, so Pastor Eric would bring in um, missionaries and like, like this. And... Um, I remember as a kid just thinking like, oh, that, that's how the planet's going to be saved. It's going to be saved through, you know, the guys, the few who go. It'll be saved by just, you know, a handful of these very charismatic, uh, you know, well-spoken people who can bring a message of hope to these remote and isolated places. And, and I, I guess they'll do the same thing for the city of Ottawa where, where we live, you know. And um, Bill, Bill and I traveled to, to Israel. My first time going to Israel was in 2017. And I think any person who has the opportunity to go, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, you know, first of all, like, th this is where our, our Bible was, was written. Many of the books in the Bible come from this land. And, and you, like, my absolute favorite place, bar none in that country, is the Sea of Galilee. And it's, it's all there. I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I thought the Sea of Galilee was, was a part of, like, the Mediterranean Sea or something. It's, it's a decent-sized lake. You know, much like, uh, like Sylvan Lake, just kind of south of us here. Similar in size and, and kind of uh, look. Um, but one, one of the things you, you read in, in the Gospels is you read a lot of the, like, the disciples that Jesus met. I, I thought these guys were scattered all over the, the country. When, you, when, when I went there and saw where Jesus lived and then started reading where he met these disciples, they were guys in his neighborhood. Most of Jesus' miracles, like the big part of the ministry that Jesus had was within a, like a mile walk of his front door. Amen. Jesus was just a neighborhood guy who would go around and talk to people, would be moved by compassion, and, and would start telling them about the kingdom of God, asking them to follow him. Amen. Like you read in Matthew 28, let, let's go there.
Verse 16, it says, uh, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them uh, doubted. Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like, I, um, I, I, I think it's amazing, you know, that, that I, I, myself and a couple other, you know, itinerant ministers uh, in Canada get to travel to some of these places uh, and then bring the gospel and tell, you know, people who, who need hope, need, you know, something of God, need something from heaven to help them in their lives. I think that's, you know, truly incredible. But if we're being honest with ourselves, I think the majority of us, can be doing that same thing with the people we have around us. It's like evangelism and discipleship, like it's, it's not this kind of, you know, thing we need to figure out. It's very much just having conversations with the people around us. I like, I, I, I play some touch rugby and, and, you know, I've had some people say, well, Stephen, why would you want to play, you know, a recreational sport with people who aren't Christians? Like, don't you think they might rub off in you in a, in a, in a negative way? You know, like, we, we all kind of know of that type of thought, you know, an attitude that we, we, we either might have or people might say to us. But the reality is, like, like what Jesus said there is teach them. So much of this Christian walk, this Christian faith, this discipleship is teaching the people around us who don't necessarily know God yet about what it means to follow God. Amen. Amen. It's not a TV thing. It's not a YouTube thing. It's not anything, you know, that you, you watch kind of from a screen. It's very much in conversation with people. My, my, my neighbors, like we, part of Ottawa that we live in, um, it's, it's brand new Canadians. Like I'm talking like brand new to Canada, uh, leaving war-torn countries. And uh, my neighbor to the right, Mohammed, he's from, he's from Syria. And we have great conversations, you know, about family, uh, especially given this climate, you know, of, of there, there seems to be this, this you know, uh, idea to change the family unit, family dynamics, you know, and, and so we get to talk about how as, as people from an Abrahamic faith, uh, although very kind of different, uh, our, our faith core values are like, yeah, family values. Yeah. We, we, we appreciate this. And, um, and I, I, my, my daughter, Ada, so we, we've got five girls, uh, Claire, she's eight and a half. Ada is seven. Ezzy is five and a half. Uh, and then our twins just turned three. And this was last uh, winter. Um, I'm, I'm taking Ada out of her car seat. We went to the grocery store. And, um, and she said, like, I think I just come back from a trip somewhere. And she said, Dad, she said, you, you, you go places and tell kids about Jesus? And I said, I do. Um, and she said, well, what about Muhammad? Muhammad was out there shoveling the snow. She said, are you going to tell Muhammad about Jesus? You know, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I really felt the hairs on the you know, back of my neck stood up, and I was like, woof. I, I hear the voice of the Lord somewhere in there, you know. <laughs> but that's, that's the game. That's, yeah. that's our role here, yeah. is, is like, Lord, what, where are the opportunities for me? Yeah. Like, you, you read in, in, in Luke 19, 
Jesus is on his way, has left, you know, the Sea of Galilee, is on his way south to Jericho and then hanging a right to go to Jerusalem to ultimately hang on the cross for us. On his way, in Luke 19, you read there, he was passing through Jericho. It just happened to be the, the highway, and this is the direction. This is where Google Maps is leading him. <laughs> While he was passing through, comes across this man named Zacchaeus. And, and you know, different translations you read, uh, Zacchaeus was known as a notorious sinner. Quite literally the worst man in that neighborhood. And, and the word that tax collectors, you know, got their money is they were Jewish people uh, working for the Romans. And, and Israel was under Roman occupation. Jewish people, would, they, would, they would collect taxes from their own people, give it to the Romans. And many times where tax collectors got such a bad reputation is they would, if it was $5 tax, they would say it's $15 today. And then they would pocket the difference. They were stealing money from their own people. And, and you read here that Zacchaeus had become a very wealthy man by stealing from his own kind. I mean, by all rights, the people of, like, in Jericho had every right to say, hey, Jesus, what are you doing with that man? Do you understand what this man has done to my family? Do you understand how many bills I've had to, you know, kind of forego? Do you understand that this man has taken food from my own children's mouths? Yeah. As Jesus is passing through sits down and has one meal with this man. And like in, in, the, in Luke's gospel, we don't know what conversation Jesus had with him. We don't know if there was any prophetic words given. We don't know if, if he read his mail or, or healed him of whatever. Maybe he got taller. We don't know anything like that. <laughs> All we know is that this one interaction that Jesus had with a man who was clearly broken led to the entire region becoming wealthier. Zacchaeus said there, like, hey, like, because of this, you know, I, I'm giving, what was it, half of my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, they get four times as much back. One single interaction that Jesus had with this man as he was passing through, you know, you, you could say a move of God happened in that area. Amen. Just passing through. No, you know, no mission mandate. No, uh, you know, God told me to go to Antarctica to, to preach to the penguins there. Like, nothing specific, nothing major. Just passing through. I wonder in our given weeks, like in any, any given day we have, what it might look like if, if we just said, Lord, let me feel your heart. Let me be moved by compassion. Just give me just a half a percentage of what you feel for someone that I, I might be passing by today. Amen. Amen. Uh, in Cape Dorset, the community that we, you know, we, we, uh, we started ministering in, there was this one family, um, and uh, the, I, I, I met the mother of this family uh, in 2014, and she came up to the altar one, one Sunday morning, and we you know, laid hands on her, and she wanted prayer for, for her son. And as it turned out, um, uh, her husband, this, this boy's father, uh, was, was murdered uh, some 15 years ago. And, and the, the son was, he was in church. He was, you know, on the youth worship team. Uh, he would preach every so often. And this dramatic thing had so changed him that he ran away from God. And, uh, and you know, the mother took this whole thing before the Lord. She, you know, God started moving on her heart. She was able to forgive, you know, the, the person who victimized this family. And um, 
Um, she said, Stephen, we need to pray for my son. His name is Itula. She said, we need to pray for him. And so, you know, two of us, we, we right there in the altar, we, we're, we're praying and we're lifting him up and we're saying, God, please do a work here. And, uh, you know, that was 2014. Uh, we, we kind of, you know, we're doing a couple other things and we would come back to the community three, four, five times a year. And same thing, Itula would, you know, he'd be um, in the back of the RCMP vehicle. Uh, he'd be arrested. He'd be, you know, peddling uh, marijuana in town, violent alcoholic when he would get his hands on that. And uh, his mother really never stopped praying. Really never stopped praying day and night. Anytime she'd think about him, she's asking God, please, Lord, do something here. And so we, uh, we're, this is now uh, Christmas Eve, 2018. I get this word from, from, uh, from uh, Itula's mother saying he got saved. And it turned out that what had happened was he was, he was shoveling the, the, the snow off of the steps Christmas Eve 2018. And um, his wife, you know, he and his wife, they have a couple, three boys, I think. Uh, he and his wife, they were going to just get absolutely blasted that night. They had a bottle of vodka, two bottles of wine. Uh, they were just going to drink and have a great time on Christmas Eve. And so <clears throat> he's, sh he's shoveling the snow, and then all of a sudden the voice of the Lord comes and says, Itala, it's time to stop living this way. It's time for you to come back and start following me. The, the presence of God hits him right there, you know, outside of his front door. Uh, he runs inside, tears coming down his, his face. He said, honey, he goes, I, I, I can't do this tonight. I need to go to church. And it so happened that the Anglican church in this community, they, they have kind of an annual uh, Christmas Eve service. It starts at 10 o'clock in the evening, goes till midnight. And, and so she, she said, no, look, we've got all this stuff we need to be drinking tonight. Like, we're going to have a great time. You know, we're partying tonight. And he said, no, no honey, I'm, go I'm going to church. He ran into church. The, the, the congregation was there. It was about 1030 at night. They're worshiping. He came stumbling in. Pastor thought he was drunk and said, Itula, look, man, tonight's just really not the night for this. And, uh, and he said, no, no. He goes, I don't know what's going on. But he said, God's touching my heart right now. He said, I, I need you guys to be praying for me congregation came around and laid hands on him, started believing God for great things in his life. Uh, his mother sent me that message, I think it was the 26th of, of December that year. Uh, fast forward uh, like a month, this man is now the number one evangelist in town. This guy who used to be the number one, uh, you know, marijuana dealer in town, violent alcoholic, uh, constantly being, you know, carted off by the RCMP. He's standing outside the grocery stores preaching the gospel to the people he used to sell pot to. Within like a few months, like in fact, I think like close to 60 people got saved just by this one man's ministry doing this. Uh, when it finally got warm enough in the month of March, when it was still like minus 25 outside, uh, he being the, the deputy fire marshal in town, went down to, the, to the, uh, the, the fire hall, brought the portable water tank over to the church. Again, it was warm then at minus 25, warmer than it was in January. Uh, filled it up with water, baptized 50 people that Sunday afternoon. 50 people got saved and baptized because one person said, you know, I'm going to make this person my, my mission field. I'm going to make this person that I love my mission field. I, uh, I, I would, in fact, maybe, like, I get asked the question all the time. Like, Steve, do you love the cold? You must love the cold. That's where you people come from. You must absolutely love it. I was like, no, it hurts. Cold sucks. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Like, warm is beautiful, you know. Um, 
I would love for, you know, for some of you to come on a trip with, with us at some point, or you, just even for you to see you know, what God can do in some of these, these communities. Um, but the reality is, you might not have to go that far to see God do something that miraculous. Amen. Amen. 2015, I, I was coming down from a community called Now Yet. And, and at the time, uh, um, the Bill Prank Evangelistic Association was building a church. Uh, it's an older community. Bill had traveled there, you know, in the early days of, of churches being built there and uh, had developed some great relationships with, with a lot of the younger believers that then became the pastors. Uh, but, you know, over time, the, the building is old and it's falling down now and there's black mold in certain corners. And so, uh, so anyway, the, we, we raised some funds and, and we were building a church there. So I was up there and I, I think I brought a uh, kind of a general contractor up with me, brought him a one-way ticket and said, look, man, you're going to stay here for the summer. He'd agreed. Uh, but he said, well, you're not coming down until at least the frame is built, you know. And so he was there the whole summer. I, I went up with him, dropped him off, introduced him to, you know, some of the leaders. And um, just kind of seeing the, the brokenness of this community. Um, I, uh, I came to a conference in um, Stony Plain, Alberta. Um, Bill was speaking at this conference, and I was a couple days late because of weather, you know, uh, delays and that. And I, I'm, I'm now in the meeting, and I'm, I'm sitting, standing here in worship, and I'm just pouring out my heart before God. And I'm asking God, you know, Lord, please transform this community. Please heal, you know, this, this, this brokenness that so many people are experiencing. And, and there in the service, the Lord gives me, like he shows me this vision. And in this vision, I, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm standing, or I'm, I'm rather, it's like a, a camera, you know, panning over the, this, uh, this arena. And uh, I, there's a thousand people in this arena, in Iqaluit, uh, Nunavut's capital city. And I, I'm watching fathers embrace their their wives and children and there's weeping and i'm seeing you know families being reconciled and i'm hearing you know the the voices of fathers uh, asking forgiveness and repenting for for the nonsense that the and pain they caused on their their wives and their wife and children and this is happening all throughout the room night after night after night the presence of God would fall on, on these people and, and healings would take place and, and just absolutely a picture of what God's heart is for us. And, and so then like and now like this is happening night after night and now, you know, people are flying from other communities and in this vision I'm seeing, you know, the, the hotel room, there's only four or five hotels in town. They're packed night after night, you know, something's happening in this community. Well, then, like how you would zoom out and zoom out on Google Maps, you kind of see a more larger area of, of the land. I'm now looking at all of Nunavut. And God is showing me this golden light over Iqaluit is now spreading to all 25 communities. Wow. And, uh, and it just glory of God moved in, in Nunavut. And, and the, the, the Lord showed me the, the headlines of two, um, two uh, newspapers here in Canada. The National Post said, God is alive in Canada. The second was the Globe and Mail, and they said suicide has been stopped in Nunavut. Nunavut right now has the highest suicide rates in the country. Uh, lots of reasons for it, but folks, I'm telling you, First Nation communities in, in Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, you know, communities all across Canada are going to experience something that can only be described as God is alive in Canada.
something of God. Where this tidal wave of, of, you know, some, you get reports of some communities where four, five, six kids are attempting to take their lives. Seems like sometimes like just darkness is all throughout the land, you know. Folks, I'm here to tell you. God is about to do something, folks. God is about to do something, folks. Something that, you know, I, I, I believe Jesus saw when he was dying on that cross. <laughs> saw you and me, he saw kids, you know, coming from broken homes, saw family members, saw moms and dads, you know, being reconciled. Something only that heaven can bring. Amen. Father, would you do it in this province? Father, would you do it here? Lord, would you do it here in Lloydminster? Father, would you do it here, Jesus? Father, we thank you that your power, your, your might, your, your, you know, your, your heart, your compassion is for those who are broken, for those who don't know you, to those, Lord, who need hope, to those who need to know that you know, the impossible is really not that impossible with you. Thank you, Jesus. I, I don't know, you know what kind of uh, scenario you, you've got going on in your life. I don't know if you, if you have you know, a strong relationship with Jesus or, or with this church or what, but I, I, first thing, folks, is, is uh, like, there's a God who, who sees you. There's a God who sees, you know, you in, in whatever mess you, you might find yourselves in. And, and I, I just want to tell you, you know, when I was really in a bad way, 19, 18 years old, uh, you know, drinking and partying, trying to find some kind of help for, for the for the pain that someone else had caused me. Uh, it was when I said, God, if you can, by your love, if you can heal this part of my life, you know, I'll, I'll forgive this person. I'll, I'll let go of what this person did to me because your love empowers me to do this. Like, if you're here in this room I, I, and listening online, I mean, you got to know, folks, that as impossible as it might seem to come out of that, um, there's a Jesus. There's a Holy Spirit who, who absolutely wants to and can, as, as sure as you're breathing air right now, absolutely can heal a mess in our lives. Amen. So I don't, I don't want you to put up your hand or anything like that, you know, but if that's you, I mean, let's just, Father, if, if, if there's any kind of brokenness any kind of pain that, that we might be going through, any kind of unforgiveness, any kind of part of our lives, you know, that something happened. Jesus, would you just touch? I just heard the voice of the Lord say, you can trust me. You can trust me. And I know trust is something that, you know, is, is, is hard, to, uh, hard to give, when, when trust has been uh, abused and, and, and really violated, but I heard the Lord say, you can trust me. Father, in fact, across this room, why don't you just repeat this prayer? Jesus, fill my heart with your love. I invite, I welcome your love into my heart. Father, fill me with a compassion. Fill me with your heart. 
so that I can give love to others. Amen. Amen. 19 is when I prayed that prayer and, and started, you know, coming back to church. Um, and I, I, I mean, I've known Pastor Jonathan here for a couple of years now. I, I really feel that, you know, a connectedness in the spirit. Um, but so much of this Christian faith is, is not done in isolation. It, it's done in community. It's, it's done with each other. And you read about, you know, the early church. I mean, they, they did something extreme. They met every day. And they, they broke bread with each other every day. They prayed together every day. And, and I don't know what kind of your schedule looks like, but what that means, what they can look like, it is saying, hey, I, I just, I need some people in my life. I, I need to get connected. And so those connect cards, I mean, like at our church, we've seen, we've seen families absolutely changed just by being connected with people who have relationship with God, who know how to walk you through these things. So, uh, so that's, you know, that's number one. Um, While I was preparing, I felt the Lord say he wanted to heal someone who had a serious report, uh, a negative report from a doctor. Uh, and I felt like it was either Thursday or Friday. You got a pretty bad report from a doctor. Um, and if that's you, just, you know, just slip up your hand. We're just going to pray for you. If you got a negative report in the last few days, uh, something, you know, medical, medically related, if that's you, just slip up your hand. We just want to kind of pray for you and believe God for that. The other thing I felt the Lord say is anyone dealing with anxiety uh, or, or just stress, and I guess when it comes to you know, workplace finances and whatever home budgeting, uh, I felt like the Lord say he wanted to give you a peace. So Father, I just thank you that, that you, know, you, you, you see what we're going through and you see all the stresses and you see the, you know, the mountains in our lives. Father, I just pray that your peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, would fall on these people right now. Lord, let your peace invade a storm. A peace that causes the storms in our minds, the storms in our emotions, the storms in our families. Father, would your peace invade that and cause it to be still in Jesus' name. for some of you, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's almost like in the middle of the night, it, it, this peace is going to fall on you. You're going to wake up the following morning. Often, and maybe, I don't know who this is, but I, I'm, I'm seeing someone waking up in the morning, and oftentimes that's when, you know, your heart starts racing, your mind starts racing, uh, and then the anxiety starts feeling like, oh man, what does today look like? I just saw the Lord say, you're going to wake up uh, in the, in, uh, wake up in the morning, and that, that you know, ramp up of, of anxiety will not be there. So, Father, thank you for whoever that is, and we pray that you do it in Jesus' name. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Is there any, anyone in the room who doesn't know Jesus just yet, hasn't asked Jesus into their hearts, and, and you'd like to make that decision here this morning? okay if you, if you were all saved you're then awesome <laughs> you know but wow well then why don't you just God give us all a burden 
for the lost. God, give us a burden, a, a gift. I feel like the, this, 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 you'll be moved by compassion. Like the Bible would call that, you know, like, a, like that, that's almost like a burden, but it's a gift of compassion to, to, to talk to someone, to pray for someone. Father, would you increase that in all of our hearts here this morning? This, 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 God wants you to know him type of feeling. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone who has any, any problem, uh, difficulty breathing? Like I, I just felt the Lord say, there's someone with, with difficulty in your left lung. Okay, one, yeah. anyone else? Just slip up your hand. No, no shame at all. We got one. Amen. Anyone else, anyone else with difficulty breathing? There's a sharp pain too over here. Look at that. Amen. Amen. Well, if you feel comfortable, just stand. Look, we'll just, folks, if you, you can get the people who, who feel that just to stand. Let's just all lift, uh, uh, point our hands towards these people and just believe God for healing in their bodies. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're around them and, it's, and they're comfortable with it, just lay a hand on them. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're a mighty healer, that Jesus, by your stripes, we're made healed. Father, we thank you for your promise in Psalm 103 that you forgive all of our sins and you heal all of our diseases. So right now, Lord, over these, these people standing here, in Jesus' name, Father, all pain, all, all kind of shortness of breath, uh, all kind of difficulty in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we tell those things to be cast out. Lord, we speak healing into these bodies right now in Jesus' name. All anxiety around this, uh, Lord, we just pray that your peace would touch their minds, you know, uh, you know, not knowing what it is or what the doctors are going to say or whatever. In Jesus' name, Father, just peace touch their minds. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I shared this story uh, up at the camp here this week, but there was an 11-year-old boy in a, in a community called Cross Lake, uh, Manitoba. And um, 11-year-old boy came and, and we, it was, there, was, uh, there was a string of 200 suicide attempts within a two-week period in this community. And uh, 100 Huntley Street, like they, they've been partnering with us at the time, and they said, Steve, if you can take, you know, team one or two other people, uh, go to Cross Lake and, you know, just kind of investigate, bring hope, hold some meetings. We'd love to sponsor your flights. And so I, I brought a buddy from Edmonton. Uh, his name is Travis Halonia, uh, runs a ministry called Resurgence. Uh, we, we traveled in the north together. I said, Trav, we've got to go to uh, Cross Lake. So we went, and, and the Saturday afternoon that we were there, 11-year-old boy came up to us. There was a big kind of community event, a big barbecue and lots of things going on at the local gas station. And um, the gas station, you know, was there and, and, and all of these community members, about a thousand people came. 11-year-old boy came up to us and asked us for prayer. And, you know, we we're just having conversation with people. This boy, I guess he discerned that we were Christians. <clears throat> and he asked us for prayer and he said, look, I've got this pain in my stomach. And so we laid hands on him and said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Um, and we, his name is Devin. We said, Devin, how do you feel? He said, ah, about the same. Anyway, see you guys. And we said, Devin, tonight at the, uh, I think it was United Church. We said, Devin, tonight at the United Church, uh, we're going to have some pizza. We want you guys to come bring your friends. 
And so Devin, you know, he came to, to church that night. He told us that after we prayed for him, uh, he went to the health center. And the health center told him uh, that he had a growth uh, right there in his stomach. And they were really concerned about him. They, they, you know, they were about to send him down to Winnipeg for some uh, testing and whatever else. And uh, he went in to get it checked after he was prayed for. And the nurse said, hey, Devin, your growth is gone. Where did it go? And the 11-year-old boy said, well, what do you mean, where did it go? And she said, well, what did you do with it? And, and the 11-year-old boy told us that he thought that question was a little silly. And he said, I didn't do anything with it. He said, some Christians prayed for me. Uh, and, and I guess this is what happened. And so, you know, the nurse said, well, look, we don't believe in that hocus-pocus stuff. What happened to this, this growth? And he said, I think I got healed. So he came to church that night in front of, you know, 40-odd of his friends. He tells us that, you know, what happened. We all start praising God. And as soon as we start praising God, you know, his eyes roll back and he starts speaking in different voices. And we're like, oh, look at this. There's, there's an unclean spirit in here. And so, you know, the team started praying for him, cast that thing out. One of the team members heard from the Lord and said, Devin, um, uh, you, you've got unforgiveness in your heart. You need to forgive someone. And he, uh, he said, I know exactly who you're talking about. He said, I'll never forgive this person for as long as I live. And uh, we, we led him in the prayer. Jesus, fill his heart with love. And, and he, he asked Jesus' love to fill his heart. Right then and there, the boy began to cry. And I'm talking like wailing, crying. And then a bunch of, you know, non-Christian kids in the room seeing an 11-year-old boy crying like this. I mean, they really thought we did something to him, you know, like punched him in the stomach. I don't know what they thought, but they really were, were a little concerned. And, and the boy called out his, this person's name and says, I forgive this person. And, and he told us what had happened when he was three years old. And, and he said, from then on, he, he, he vowed to never say that person's name and also, you know, never to, to see that person in this community. Well, then and there, he forgave this person, and, and he said he began to see angels in the room, began prophesying over his friends, you know, and then we hardly had to do any ministry that night. It was this boy, you know, now, like, preaching and ministering to his friends, and I say all that to say, some of you, um, the Lord is going to cause people who, who, you know, you would least expect. Just felt the Lord say, Stephen, share that story, because just be open to pray for someone if they come. And I feel like even like this within the next two weeks, in fact, there might be a few people that get baptized here next week uh, of, of people that you'll lead to the Lord this week. Uh, just be open to just say, you know, God might heal this person. And because they know that you're a Christian, um, they'll, they'll come to you for, for, you know, for prayer. So, Father, I just, I thank you this morning. Father, I just thank you that you're a good God, that your, your promises are yes and amen, that you are the same today that you were you know since the beginning of time father would would hope spread into every heart here jesus would would faith rise in this church and in the lives of of your people here father would would lloyd minster father would would saskatchewan would alberta experience the love and the power of god in jesus name amen and amen